Father God, we just thank you um, that we can gather here and look at your word and worship you. But Lord, as we look at your word and we think about the words that we brought to you this morning in worship through song and the words that we'll be bringing to you through worship as we dig into your word, um, I pray that we're really willing to step out and we'd really look at our hearts and our heart attitudes into the directions that you call us and what you want us to do and how we handle those situations. In your name we pray. Amen. I want to read first the lyrics to one of the songs that was up this morning um, when I saw Chris's worship list and how well it fit with what we're going to talk about. Um, The song Oceans. You call me out upon the waters, the great unknown where feet may fail. And there I find you in the mystery, in oceans deep my faith will stand. And I will call upon your name and keep my eyes above the waves. When oceans rise, my soul will rest in your embrace. For I am yours and you are mine. Your grace abounds in deepest waters. Your sovereign hand will be my guide. Where feet may fail and fear surrounds me, you've never failed. You won't start now. So I will call upon your name and keep my eyes above the waves. Where oceans rise, my soul will rest in your embrace, for I am yours and you are mine. Now, this next part, how many of us really mean this? Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. This time of year, I spend a lot of time planning and thinking about beginnings and endings. I take a look back at how things went, where things ended up, and what took place along the way of getting there. I also look at where I think the Lord is leading and what I must do to prepare for that journey. And in the midst of it all, trying not to lose sight of where God has me in the present and praise him for what he is doing now. How am I faithfully walking with God? And how am I trying not to run out in front of him, but at the same time not apprehensively fall behind? Every journey begins somewhere, and every journey is different. I would assume every journey that we begin on has a destination. If not, how would we mark achievement or progress along the way? And I know I've begun journeys, and along the way my destination or the outcome I was looking for changed. Our faith journey has a beginning. It also has a destination or a desired outcome. And along the way, we go from point A to point Z. But along that way, we all experience B to Y. But our B to Ys may look different. But I don't want to look at the journey itself today. We're going to look at our heart attitudes during that walk. What does our heart want when God asks us to step out? How does my heart respond to God when he asks me to step out? Maybe you can relate to one or two or all three of these attitudes. Personally, two of them I'm very familiar with. Um, One of them I'm striving in a daily battle to get more right in my heart. Maybe you have all three attitudes at the same time, just they show up in different situations. And depending on what God may ask you to do, you find it easy to faithfully follow him. But the minute he tweaks something and it doesn't go the way we want, we end up in a foot-stomping temper tantrum. The three attitudes of faith I want to talk about are, um, and these are labeled by me, so the kicking and screaming attitude. 
Parents, you probably know this one best. You're unhappy to be moving in the direction you are going, and everybody is aware that you are unhappy about it. You're not willing to listen or receive instruction because you're too busy telling yourself and others why you shouldn't be doing it. Oftentimes, we do it because we want short-term comfort instead of long-term gain. The now you have it, now you don't faith attitude. We have faith in the Lord, but when we direct our faith to, but then we direct our faith to ourselves. And then once we direct our faith to ourselves, we realize that we're in big trouble. When the storms and waves of life aren't difficult, following God is easy. But when things are beyond our control and look too big for us to handle, we lose our focus on God and we begin to focus on those waves and storms around us. And then the last attitude we'll look at this morning is the faithful walk. We just follow God. It sounds easy enough. I know it's what I strive for. But honestly, there's times when I'm kicking and screaming and other times where I'm good until rough things happen. How can you and I strive to have such a relationship with God that we're willing to follow him no matter what he asks, no matter how hard the situation is, no matter how strange or uncomfortable it may be? And at the same time, not losing the sight of our need for him. When he gives us times, when you know what? The hard things aren't that bad. When life seems to be going well, we still can't lose our focus on God. Our attitude is one of obedience, no matter what the Lord asks us to do or experience. So if you turn with me in your Bibles to the first passage we're going to look at, Exodus chapter 13. And we're going to look at verses 17 up through chapter 14, verse 5. And first we're going to talk about our kicking and screaming attitudes. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt, equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you. And you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Succoth and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way. And by night in a pillar of cloud of fire to give them light. That they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from them before the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the people of Israel... To turn back and encamp in front of five Firoth, if that's how you say it, between Migdal and the sea, in front of Baal Zephon, you shall encamp facing it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, they are wandering in the land. The wilderness has shut them in, and I will, and all, sorry, and they did so, and all his hosts. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, and they did so. Now, in order to get a full picture of what is going on here with the, with the Israelites um, going to the promised land. I'd encourage you to read the book of Exodus. Um, I know Exodus is one of those books where it really helps me evaluate my heart attitude. Um, it helps me see where my heart is when God has me on a journey. Um, and especially when God brings unexpected things into my life. But the first overall point I want to look at is I believe every journey of our faith God puts us on has the same goal. The destination may look different, but the goal is the same. And if you look in verse 4, you see that. I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts. 
And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. The goal is God receiving glory. Whatever journey God has us on, whatever walk God has us on, one of the goals is that God will receive glory through it. God's glory is the goal of every journey. And through that, others will know that he is Lord. Others will know his name and who he is. Do others see Jesus through me? If someone asked or watched how you live through tough circumstances, would that point others to Christ? If someone sees how you go through great blessing and success, would that point others to Christ? Another overarching point is no two journeys are the same. The goal is still God's glory and making him known, but how God gets me there is going to look different than how God gets you there, or anyone else for that matter. My attitude and action should not be a result of what God is asking others to do and how God is asking others to do it. It's what he's asking me to do. Praise God, we are not all wired the same. Um, But do we take that into consideration when we deal with others? Do we take that into consideration when others don't see things the way I do, when they may not respond the way I would? And that's okay. Maybe I'm a little overdramatic in my description of the kicking and screaming and how the Israelites responded to God's leading them um, to the promised land. But if I am, I don't think it's a far cry. Let me read a couple passages for you from their trip. Keeping in mind that they are leaving slavery and heading toward the land God promised to their ancestors. But isn't it true for many of us when we try to follow Jesus? At the beginning, we hear the destination, and it sounds ideal and awesome. Then we get into the journey, and something gets tough, and we want to turn back to what we know, even when that situation is worse than what we're going towards. Now, I'm not going to delve deep into each one of these passages, but I want to look because I think there's some patterns for us to think about. Exodus 14, 10 through 14. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. You see, they lose sight over what God has in store for them. And they're content in the worst situation because it was familiar. The complaining and grumbling begin to the point that they preferred to remain in slavery. They needed a reminder of what God had in store for them. In Exodus 15, 22 through 27, then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statue and a rule, and there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statues, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. Then they came to Elam, 
There, there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. Again, things get difficult and discontentment grows in the heart. Moses, on behalf of those whose hearts were not in the right place, goes to the Lord. And they were again reminded by God that he is their protector and sustainer. In verse, or chapter 16, 1 through 3, they set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. On the 15th day of the second month, after they had departed from the land of Egypt, and the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we have died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full? For you have brought us into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Same song, different verse. Going gets tough, people start grumbling all over again, and God steps in and provides and reminds them once again to be obedient. 17, chapter 17, 1 to 3, all the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people grumbled against Moses, and said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? Again, the same pattern we've been seeing. Things get tough, grumbling begins. But have you noticed up until this point who the grumbling was against? It was against Moses. Moses, you have taken us. They grumble against Moses, grumbled against Moses and Aaron, quarreled with Moses. But Moses sees the real issue here. In verse 2, he says, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? Leadership is tough. If God is asking you to step out and lead for him, don't be surprised if even those who are following God grumble and complain when you're trying to lead them to do what God wants you and them to do. Moses was a reluctant leader. And in the beginning... You know, he went and said, God, why me? And had used excuses not to lead for him. But his perseverance is something I admire. Frankly, I'd have bailed. <laughs> Back in the grumbling about the man, I'd have been gone. Um, find your own way to the promised land. That's just my sinful heart speaking. Um, but Moses' perseverance to lead them to do what God wanted them to do and lead the people. If God is calling you out to lead, when things get uncomfortable, when things get tough, there will be grumbling and complaining, but are we following and moving where the Lord wants us to? In the last passage in this section I want to look at is Exodus 32, 1 through 4. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So Aaron said to them, Take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, These are our gods, or these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When our hearts are not in the right place in our walk with the Lord, boy, how quickly we can bail on him. In the earlier passages, I noted how they grumbled against Moses. 
it's much easier to blame the leader than it is to blame God. But I think we need to keep a right perspective. Are we really grumbling against the leader? Or is that an outward sign of inward idolatry? The Israelites' idolatry becomes outward in this passage. But what were they really worshiping all along? Perceived comfort? Perceived protection? Was it that no matter how tough it was in Egypt, they believed they knew what tomorrow held? This journey to the promised land held so much unknown to them. When the road God takes us on doesn't go the way we plan, how do you respond? I pray that it's not a kicking and screaming. I pray that I'm not kicking and screaming and looking over my shoulder the whole time. So we're going to move from a kicking and screaming attitude to now you have it, now you don't. And if you turn with me in God's word to Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 32. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowds, and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Don't be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Now I want to first look at verse 23 um, and take note of what Jesus did here. He went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Um, Boy, do I wish we had mountains around here. I know it's part of the way God has wired me. But um, I can't find many places more peaceful, quiet, and majestic than the mountains. um, When you can go off, be gone, and hear nothing. um, And just think and pray. Um, What Jesus went to find here on this mountain is what I find when I'm in the mountains. But what I think all of us need to find in our lives where God has put us. It's a quiet place where we can go with no distractions just to talk and listen to our Father God. If we want to find out where God wants to lead us and is leading us in our faith journey, we need to be talking with him. We need to be listening to him. I know I have a chair next to my fireplace where I can get up and go pray and study God's word. Um, But the minute somebody else in the house gets up, (laughs) um, I can study and read. But prayer, honestly, I don't have as much concentration there. Um, Sometimes I can go away to my office um, unless I have a lot of things to do. Then everything sitting on a shelf or on the floor or anywhere else in my office, if you've been there, um, is another reminder of the next thing that needs to be done. Um, I know I'm in a continual training process of how to better quiet myself down to listen and be with God. Um, I pray that all of us are in a continual process of learning how to quiet our hearts, quiet our minds, um, and go before God in prayer, study his word, and listen to what he's trying to say. 
Now try to put yourselves in the shoes of the disciples here. I'm sure they were exhausted. They heard about what happened to John the Baptist and relocated. They had just experienced the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 plus. It's late in the day when all this is wrapped up and Jesus sends them out on a boat to head across the Sea of Galilee. Now it's the fourth watch. Very early in the morning, somewhere probably between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. And now put yourself in their shoes. They're battling against the waters and wind, and they see somebody walking on the water. I've yet to see anyone walk on water, let alone in the middle of a storm. Um, This is a moment that is life-shaping as a follower of Jesus Christ. It's easy to respond to God when things are going great. But how do we show up? How do we respond when God shows up and asks me to follow when times are tough? How do I respond when God shows up when I'm tired? How do I respond when it doesn't make any sense? But God recognizes our fears. In verse 26 and 27, But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Don't be afraid. I know sometimes when I think about an omniscient God who knows everything, I forget that he knows everything. Jesus knew the disciples would be afraid. He knew they'd be afraid to see somebody walking on water in a stormy sea. But it's more than knowledge. Jesus was intimately aware that the disciples were in a situation that would cause fear, but would also require a response. Jesus reveals himself to them. Where has Jesus revealed himself, and where is he continually revealing himself in your life that should give you boldness to respond to him, no matter how strange, how uncomfortable, how unknowing a situation may be? Earlier when we talked about going on the mountain to pray or whatever quiet, undisturbed area you have to be alone with God, this is another area where I think it shows its importance. When I'm alone with God, it highlights to me the areas where God is showing up all along the way, but I'm too busy to see it. We're too busy with life and too busy with doing the next thing that we're not seeing God's there each and every step along the way. It reinforces my faith in him that he is always at work. So when it comes time to respond, how do we respond? I love seeing Peter in action, and Peter can be an impulsive guy. Um, I can be an impulsive person. As a soccer coach, um, I like impulsive players over calculated players, if they can learn from their mistakes. Um, You see Peter in his impulsiveness, I think, learns from his mistakes. Um, With a player, oftentimes you'll see the play happen around them if they're calculated and thinking about how to do this, where an impulsive person just responds. Sometimes they mess up. But if they can learn from that mistake, they become very dangerous. I'm not sure if Peter's response here is an impulsive decision or not. If it was a, wow, that's cool, let me try. But when you look at Peter's profile through scripture, um, I think it's okay to say that this may be impulsive of him to do. Or was it just a confidence decision that, Lord, if it's you, you can help me do the impossible. Just yesterday, I saw you feed 5,000 plus people with five loaves and two fish. That makes walking on water look pretty easy. Once we've responded to God, how many of us are like Peter, though, in this passage, when we take those first steps and our focus is great, but then winds and waves happen around us? 
Jesus does not tell us that if we follow him and do the things he asks us to, that it will always be smooth sailing. In fact, he tells us the opposite. And storms will, fi- fi- will rise. Does our focus stay on him? Ways will come. Does our focus stay on him? Hard things will happen in life. How do we show God's glory through those things? If God didn't put us through those things where the only reason it works is because he intervenes, we would probably just credit ourselves and not him. Now, the last type of hard attitude in the journey I want to look at is just faithfully walking. So turn with me to Genesis 5, 21 through 24. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. I look at this short passage in the middle of a genealogy and just think, wow. (laughs) Wow. We don't see a whole lot here about Enoch, but if you turn over to Hebrews eleven five through 6, we see, by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended of having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. The idea in Genesis is that Enoch walked with God and that there was a very close, intimate relationship between God and Enoch. One that Enoch was very aware of what God wanted him to do and a willingness to do it no matter what things came up in his faith journey. Now, even though we don't have specifics of Enoch's life and how he lived, I think it's pretty safe to say he did experience struggle and trouble. I mean, it appears here in the middle of a genealogy, which lets us know he had children. So things in life were not always easy, raising kids. My goal of walking faithfully is not to not die, on here, die here on earth. I think it's really cool that God just took Enoch um, and to have that relationship with God. But I don't want to have that relationship with God just so I don't die here physically on earth. I kind of picture them just walking and talking and God just being like, let's go home. Am I living my life in such a way that when God calls me home, he's pleased with how I lived? Unfortunately, I can think of many times when I'm sure he's not pleased. But do I handle failure in a pleasing way? Do I handle success in a pleasing way? Do I handle good relationships and bad relationships in pleasing ways? In whatever situation God puts me in, is it my goal to strive to faithfully follow him? Um, Sometimes it's easy to ask questions and wonder, Lord, why are you doing what you're doing? Why is this happening? This didn't fit into Mike's plan. But are we just faithfully following step by step with where God wants us to do and what he wants us to go? When I look at all three faith journeys, I know I've responded in all three manners, Um, kicking and screaming, and now you have it, now you don't, and a faithful walk. But I pray that I'm growing to be more like Christ, and the first two are less and less, and that last faithful walk is more and more in my life. Where are you in your faith journey today? 
Have you started? Have you begun your journey? Have you stepped out in faith and told Jesus that you'd like to follow him? If you haven't, I'd love to invite you this morning. Um, If you've never faithfully trusted Jesus as Savior, if you've never said, Lord, I want to follow you, um, we'd invite you to stand if that's something you'd like to do this morning. And if you decide, Lord, I want to follow you, we'll have someone get together with you. They'll go out the back and pray with you. But have you decided you want to take that step of faith? It'd be an awesome way to start 2018. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus to today, say, Lord, I want to follow you. And we'd love to have somebody get together with you. So if that's something you would like to do, I ask you to please stand now. And we'll have someone get together with you and you can pray. Um, Are you a kicker and a screamer? Are you someone who, Lord... I just don't want to go the direction you're going. I just don't want to do what you're asking me to do. It's not falling into my plans, my agenda. Um, Ask the Lord to help you. Get together with somebody. Have others who can speak to you and mentor you and help you to follow the Lord. Are you one who steps out in faith and then the minute the going gets tough, you're ready to bail and do things on your own? Um, There again, I ask that you find someone who can walk along that journey with you and help each other build each other up and faithfully follow Christ. And are you someone who's managed to you live your life faithfully following God no matter what? And you've got the ability to step out. No matter how deep and rough those oceans are, you're willing to follow God. Um, I ask you to prayerfully consider who can you help in their walk? Um, who can you help mentor in how they're living their walk with the Lord and how they're experiencing their faith journey? None of our journeys look the same. None of our journeys are alike. But God has brought us here in a community of believers to help each other grow and build each other stronger for him and for his glory. So my prayer for you is that along your faith journey, you're faithfully following, looking to where God wants to lead you to go, and so that we can do what God wants us to do together. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning and your word. And I just pray that we are wholeheartedly into whatever it is you want to do. It doesn't matter what it looks like, um, what it means for me, what it means for others, Lord, but if it's what you want us to do, that we're faithfully all in for you, that our heart attitudes would be one that would follow wherever your steps may lead. We love you, Lord. Pray that we're obediently following at all times. In your name we pray. Amen.